right, everyone. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday night, as I'm recording this pretty late on Tuesday. Uh, the Nuggets have brought in a couple of draft workouts over the course of these last two days. Uh, Josh Christopher was one of them, as well as Quinton Grimes, uh, both of those in the first day, in addition to Jason Preston. Second day, not as notable, I would say. Uh, doesn't look like they're going to bring anybody in on Wednesday, from what I understand, but my guess is that continues on Thursday and Friday, uh, and we might actually see something different. Uh, maybe they go into Saturday and Sunday. You never know. Uh, but the Nuggets are now into the pre-draft swing. They are bringing in guys to work out. We know what they want to do, and they they started things off with a guard workout. And I'm not really surprised. It, it gave them a lot of opportunity to see those guys. It gave them some some opportunities to see some interesting competition. Uh, so I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued about what they found out. Uh, haven't heard anything behind the scenes. They usually keep this stuff pretty close to the vest, but uh, we'll let you know if anything pertinent pops up. Um, but for now. This podcast is going to be about free agency, and I've, I've generally held off on the free agency talk for most of this time, but I think it's time to really start getting into the discussion of what the salary cap restrictions are for the Nuggets. I've talked about the Barton and the Jamichael Green decisions. I talked about that yet, or on Monday and think that that's a, a very important piece of this. That whatever those guys do, sort of it sort of changes like who Denver can really go after, what kind of holes they need to fill, how much money they have to spend on certain players. Uh, I'm going to explain some of the salary cap restrictions that are going to come into play in the first segment. In the second segment, I'm going to go over the top guards and wings that I would consider signing in free agency. Uh, and in the third segment, we'll do the top forwards and bigs that I would consider signing in free agency. Go over the roster, talk about what's needed, talk about where Denver can really improve. And I'm going to use this as sort of a springboard moment for what the rest of uh, the offseason free agency is going to look like. It is possible that by the time I record my next podcast that Will Barton will make a decision on his player option. My guess is that he will decline it. If that's the case, if he decides that he wants to test the market and look at free agency, the Nuggets should be very, very uh, careful about who they target, about what they go after. They can approach Barton with a plan, but they also need to know that they can use their full MLE as a replacement option, as a potential opportunity to bring in somebody who could start a shooting guard for them in the meantime. And there are players out there who I think Denver could target for that role, and some untraditional untraditional names as well. But we'll get to that. For now, let's talk about the salary cap. And I posted some pictures, posted some, uh, some thoughts this afternoon on uh, Tuesday afternoon. Regarding the salary cap, regarding Denver's books, what they have going on for them, and basically... The first thing that I want to talk about is the salary cap, the luxury tax, and the, the tax apron line. The salary cap, as projected by Bobby Marks, 
over at ESPN. He is the cap guru over there. It's going to be about 112 million. That's a 3% growth from what they had in last year's cap. He's estimating 112 million. Maybe it's 112.1, 112.4. Right now I have it stuck at 112. And here's where things get sticky. If Will Barton and Jermichael Green opt in to their player options, then the Nuggets projected salary is going to be at 127.5 million. That is including a first round pick. That is including Bull Bull, PJ Dozier, Vlaco Chanchar, all the guys that are currently on the bench. It's including all the guys that they have around. And it doesn't include, or it also includes the 26th overall pick in the NBA draft at 120% of the rookie scale, which I'm not going to explain that if you have any questions regarding how I calculate the salary cap number for the rookies, then uh, make sure to DM me or, or message me on Twitter or whatnot. But that is the number. The number for a 26th overall pick is estimated to be about 2.1 million. So, Denver would then have, assuming that they fill the two-way spots and those aren't going to count against the salary cap, so it doesn't really matter, they would have two full-time roster spots if they brought back Barton and Green. And they would have a total of, they'd be $15 million over the cap, $15.5 million, like I said. But they would be $9.1 million under the tax line. So they'd have some space. They'd have some ability to be able to fill out those roster spots. And the good news is that they could fill those out with the non-taxpayer MLE, as long as they don't go over that, as long as they don't cross the luxury tax line. If they did cross the luxury tax line, then they would have to go down to the taxpayer MLE, which is roughly... 5.5 5.5 million, I think, 5.8 million, something like that. Right now, the MLE that they have, or that they have an opportunity to use, is about 9.5 million. Now, Denver's just under that in terms of luxury tax space, so they wouldn't be able to use the full thing in addition to what they have already. But they have some opportunities for flexibility. They could add two players at around 4 million apiece and still be under the tax. They could add somebody for four million, somebody for five million, still be under the tax. Could add somebody for seven million, somebody for basically a vet min, but two million, still be under the tax. So, even if Barton and Green opt in, they're going to be okay. And I think that that really stands out when you talk about this year and what it really means. So, if Barton comes back and Green comes back, then you basically have status quo trying to survive Jamal Murray's absence. Whoever you bring whoever you bring in could be a helper for that. Could be a guard or a wing, somebody who kind of helps on the offensive or defensive end in the backcourt. You could also bring in a backup 5 or a backup 4-5, somebody like that who can help replace Paul Millsap, which I think Zeke Naji is going to do an admirable job there. But then you have some insurance. Denver can go that way and be fine. 
They can definitely, definitely go that way. There would be no problem with that. The big problems that really come are if they decide to use the, like, if they decide to, like, sign and trade somebody, if they try to approach the the luxury tax apron line, which basically means that if they go over that amount, then they hard cap themselves and they can't actually, like, do anything. It's There, there are some penalties for going over the apron, and I'm not going to go over the details in this one. Uh, I know them. A uh, little bit unfamiliar in terms of how Denver would get to them in this particular year. Like, for example, if they gave Will Barton $20 million, and if they gave Jamichael Green $10 million, then that would be about $8 million addition. And then if they gave somebody the taxpayer MLE and then signed somebody to a vet min, they would probably cross the luxury tax apron, which is a big no-no. You don't want to do that. You don't want to. You don't want to do that. It's it's just a. There are a lot of other penalties that go beyond that, and there are certain things that you can do that hard cap yourselves for future years, and that's a that's a big issue. The big questions that I have are involving Barton and Green and their opt in or opt out, what they would sign for new contracts, or what Denver would do if they left but also for the Michael Porter Jr. Max and the Aaron Gordon potential extension that are probably going to happen this offseason, or at least Denver's going to explore it. See, I posted some pictures on Twitter that you should go check out as a reference point that let's say, let's say Barton and Green pick up, actually, no, not pick up their player options. Let's say the Nuggets signed them to deals that are more long-term. Will Barton gets three years, $45 million, which is probably an overestimation, but a comfortable one. Like, not wild. And then let's say Jamichael Green gets basically what he got from Denver last year, but he gets a guaranteed amount. Uh, two years, $15 million, both years guaranteed. If Michael Porter signs an extension, and then if Aaron Gordon signs an extension, those are also going to add to the bill. And you start to see a lot of big numbers come up into the luxury tax space that Denver has. If they do that, then they're going to lose PJ Dozier. If they do that, they're probably going to lose Faku Campazzo. Now, PJ, I'd be pretty worried about. Faku, a little bit less so if you have Jamal Murray coming back. But what this really underscales to me is that under underscores, excuse me. What it really says to me is that Denver's probably going to have to choose between Will Barton and PJ Dozier. And if they sign Will Barton to a big deal, then it would not surprise me if they used PJ Dozier as a trade piece, potentially guaranteeing his contract and then trading him somewhere. Because they wouldn't be able to pay him. They've already got Monte locked up. They've already got Jamal locked up, of course. If you lock up Will, that means that you're committed to him playing a big role. Whether that's as the starting two, or as the sixth man, whatever. He's going to play a big role. You have to distribute your funds accordingly. But if you sign him, if you sign Jermichael Green, if you believe that Zeke Naji is going to be your guy going forward, if you want to retain Vlatko Chanchar, if you want to sign a backup center, 
then you're going to be over the luxury tax. And these are the, they're just kind of the things that you have to deal with if you pay three max contracts to Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter. Now, it gets even worse going forward because Nikola Jokic will be up for a supermax. And you're like, okay, we'd be lucky to pay Nikola Jokic the supermax. And I agree with you. I think that Jokic is going to deserve it. But just looking at the projections, like if Denver were to sign Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon and Will Barton and give all these guys new deals, then they're looking at a salary in the 2023-2024 range of $156 million committed to just eight players, I think. I think that's what that number says. Yeah, eight players. That doesn't include PJ. Jamichael Green would come off the books. Be Monte Morris's last year. Like, obviously, PJ wouldn't be in that situation. But $156 million, and you'd be $11 million over the tax, estimated. And you still have to fill out the rest of your roster. So, what this says to me, Denver has to be sure. They have to be game planning for this. They have to know that whoever they put around Jokic, around Murray, around Porter, that they believe in, that they think is going to be best for their group. And it's very possible, in my opinion, that that means that they let guys like Will Barton or Jermichael Green go. Because if they don't think that Will Barton is the guy that helps get them over the top, and they could better use that money to go to a better defender like Dozier, or to bring in somebody else off the street who gives them a little bit more 3 and D or something like that. I think it's very possible that they decide to go that route instead. These are the tough decisions that are faced with the Nuggets that they have to figure out because they know that they're going to be committed. They already traded for Gordon. It would very much shock me if they didn't try to agree to an extension with him, given that Jeremy Grant just walked out. There are very few players who give them the luxury of having two dynamic athletic forwards. One more for offense and Porter, one more for defense and Gordon. That can help support Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray in the way that they do. We didn't get to see enough of it, but I I genuinely believe that it's there. And the Nuggets are going to want to see that. So, if Gordon's going to be around, and you know the big three is going to be around, and you know that those guys are going to commit to about I don't know, $110 million in the next couple of years? You might be choosing between a couple of your other guys. And this is why the Barton and Green opt-in, opt-out decisions are a big deal. Because if Barton opts in, you get him for free for another year, and you can figure out what to do right when Porter becomes expensive, when Gordon becomes more expensive. Same thing for Green. Like, even if those guys opt in, you can still figure it out. You may not be able to add to, like, like additional pieces, but you figure it out. So this is where we're at. We're trying to figure out what the best thing is for the Nuggets 
and how they can proceed with the limited financial flexibility that they have. You don't want them to cheap out. You don't want them to be afraid of paying the luxury tax. But they also, like, if you if you brush up against it this year, or if you go over it this year, then that also means it's going to get really painful going forward in the future years when you're in the repeater. So, my guess is that Denver and the front office is considering this heavily. They're going to try to recoup some draft assets. They're going to try to figure out how to bring in young, cheaper options, maybe some minimum contracts. And they're going to figure out who best to put in their money. And it might not be Barton and Green. It might not. And that's also okay. Because there are other good players out there I think could help Denver. We'll see what happens. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about who some of those players might be. But first, this podcast, as you know, it is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. They are running a promotion during the finals right now. New users can sign up and bet $1 as long as they make a deposit first. Bet $1 on a team of your choice. And if that team wins, you get $150 in site credits. $150 is a lot of money. And like I I think it's a very reasonable shot that the Bucs win tomorrow's game, win Wednesday night's game. Now, they might not. And it might be Phoenix, and if you feel strongly about Phoenix, then I don't blame you. They're really good. But Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's really paying out. And uh, I think Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton have figured some things out too. So if you believe in them and you want to put your money where your mouth is, go to DraftKings, download the app, and use promo code MHS when you sign up. And you can bet $1, win $150 on these NBA Finals games. They run other promos as well. They did UFC 264. They've done NHL, MLB. They're still going. So make sure to check them out. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All right, back here, Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you can, it would be awesome if you could leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to download this uh, this podcast, sign up. It's free. It's awesome. I love when you guys do it. Helps me out a lot. So thank you so much. Uh, before we get into the free agency... Uh, players. I wanted to just go over the roster really quickly so that people can understand where the roster stands. Uh, there are several free agents, and we'll talk about them here. Will Barton, Jamichael Green of player options, Paul Millsap, JaVale McGee, Austin Rivers, unrestricted free agents. They are guys that Denver will probably have to replace in some way, shape, or form, or they could bring back. Austin Rivers would be a lot more complicated, and I think JaVale McGee might be as well, but less complicated than Rivers. So, 
We'll see if they actually end up bringing any of those guys back. It would, it would honestly surprise me if more than one of them was back. I'd be shocked. And then Shaq Harrison and Marcus Howard are your two-way guys. Uh, they're going to be restricted free agents because that's how the two-way contract process works. So Denver has an opportunity to match those deals if any team offers those guys. I'm not sure if Denver's going to go after those guys if they're going to keep them around. Maybe they decide to keep Marcus Howard and they decide, hey, you did some good stuff for us in the playoffs. We think that you could fill out one of our last roster spots. And I think they retain his bird rights. So they can pay him what they want, if I'm not mistaken. But here's where they stand. Here's where they stand on the roster. Those are the the seven guys that are not on the roster. Here are the ten guys that are. Jamal Murray. And I'm doing this by guards, wings, forwards, and bigs. So not by point guard, shooting guard, center, whatever. This is generalized by size. Guards. Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, Faku Campazo. There are guys that are point guard, shooting guard types. Pretty small. Some positional versatility, but most of the time they're going to play those spots. The only wing on the roster right now is P.J. Dozier. He's about 6'6", 6'7", and I think you can make an argument that he's a little bit undersized for some wings, but if you're playing him at the two, he might be pretty big. So, he's in a good spot there, but he's also the only guy. Forwards, guys that play the three and the four, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Bull Bull, Vlako Chanchar. Pretty strong, uh, relatively strong group. I don't really have any qualms with that group, though you could say the depth is a little bit concerning. And then the bigs on the roster, Nikola Jokic, obviously. And I'm putting Zeke Naji here. I've been pretty adamant that I think he's going to play more center, more adamant that he'll play the four and, and maybe more five as opposed to three. I really do think he's a four pretty much through and through. But in today's NBA, and in the playoffs, I think you need options that can play backup five. Guys that are switchable, guys that are athletic. As long as he improves as a rebounder, I think he'll be pretty good there. Denver also has the 26th overall pick, so they can add to any of these spots. Whether it's guard, whether it's wing, whether it's forward, whether it's big. I sort of think that they're going to focus on guards and wings, because Murray's going to be out for a little bit, and BJ's the only wing that they have. So, it would be shocking to me if they went in another route. However, they've always been BPA. They've always been best player available if they can do it. They weren't best player available with Zeke Naji. That, I think, is pretty clear. Um, Zeke Naji was somebody that they wanted to make sure that they acquired because they wanted some stability at the backup center spot. As it turns out, he's a little bit more uh, svelte and athletic and small for that spot. But they're going to try to develop him there just the same. But that's the position that they tried to fill. So, in these position groups, I think it's probably best to try to distribute that talent evenly. Uh, People want to clamor for wings. But every team is a little bit different. For Denver, they have one guard and one big who are each dynamic. They have two forwards who are very, very good. Porter could be great. Uh, Wing is their weakest spot. Barton would add to that group. I think he's more of a wing than he is a guard. Uh, 
Guard is relatively strong with Morris and Composo behind Murray. Forward is relatively strong because you've got Porter, Gordon, Bull, and Chanchar. Though they could potentially add to that for sure. Big is also relatively weak behind Jokic. It's pretty developed. It's pretty dependent on Najee being good. But Green would add here as well. And if they brought back Green, then I'd feel very good about their big man rotation. Uh, whether it was just Jokic for 34 minutes and then Najee and Green splitting the rest of that time, or if it was just one of those guys being the primary backup center. I'd feel fine with that. But let's get into it. Let's start with the top guards and wings in segment two. Uh, segment three, we'll do the top forwards and bigs. So here's how I'm going to break this down. There are a lot of names that I'm about to name here. Uh, the first category is if Barton returns, whether it's opting into the player option or if he decides to sign a new contract in Denver, here are players that I think Denver should consider. Top one, and maybe not like in order, Austin Rivers, familiarity with Denver, has the scoring skills, good for the culture. Uh, he is somebody that like I could definitely see being a good option, whether he's playing all the time or not all the time. But he'd be like a good 10th option or 10th man in a rotation that features most of the other guys. With Murray out, he would be the ninth man, maybe eighth or whatever you want to call it. Uh, if Denver were to start Monte, Barton, Porter, Gordon, Jokic, I would personally feel pretty good about them if they had Compazzo, Rivers, Dozier, Green, and Najee as the backups. That'd be fine with me. You could stagger a little bit. You can figure it out. But if that's where you're at with Murray out, then that's fine. Another option, Kent Bazemore. I've been high on Bazemore for a while, uh, but he proved himself and I think acquitted himself well in Golden State. Was a good role player. Was a good veteran. Versatile. Willing to be a low usage guy. And is also just a good, solid defender. And he shot the ball well. So if you're looking for somebody who can just sort of add to the background in that ninth, tenth man role. Kent Bazemore feels like a good option. Garrett Temple also feels like a good option. He's a veteran. Another guy who's capable defensively, is very low maintenance, has been around the block, knows what it takes to win basketball games. Getting up there in age, probably not somebody who you would want to be relying on heavily in the playoffs. However, in a pinch, if some of the other guys were struggling, he'd be a good option, relatively cheap option, to be able to bring in and steady the ship. Another guy, Bryn Forbes. Very different from the first three, but Bryn Forbes, elite off-ball shooter, DHO threat, somebody who Denver could bring in and just buy some regular season time. If he shoots 40% from three on high volume, whether it's off the bench, whether it's... Uh, rotating in with Jokic. There's a lot of ways that you could use a guy like Bryn Forbes. Denver doesn't have an off-ball shooter like that unless you count Porter, and I think that you can count Porter, but I also want to see him handle the ball a little bit more. Bryn Forbes, good option. Somebody who wouldn't play every time, but would be pretty good. And two other guys who I think will be under the radar, but pretty cheap. Sterling Brown, 
from the Houston Rockets, who played for Milwaukee for a while. He had a really difficult start to his career, but he still has some good 3 and D potential in my opinion. Um, even some playmaking skills. He is somebody who I think got lost in the shuffle a little bit as Milwaukee was trying to improve their roster in a number of ways. He wasn't going to be a guy that they trusted, so they went with somebody else. I think that he's a guy, at, I think 26 years old right now, who is pretty talented, who's pretty good, and he's pretty strong too. Like he's six foot five, I think 215, 220. That's pretty good size for a two. So if you're going with that, there's something to be said there. And then one other guy. Uh, this is, remember, to add to Will Barton and Co. This is uh, without Jamal Murray in the in the healthy rotation. You still have Monte Morris, Faku Campazzo, P.J. Dozier, Will Barton. This is another guy, Ben McLemore. Another elite shooter. Doesn't have an, an elite percentage, but he's a guy who reputation precedes him. And he's got a lot of confidence. Gave some good minutes to the Lakers last year, and they didn't use him in the playoffs, but he was pretty good. He was a pretty good option for them at various moments. So there's something to be said for a guy like that, just adding a good elite shooter that you can bring in every now and then. He's a guy that I would circle. Now, different category. Here are some players that you bring in to replace Will Barton. This is somebody who, like if Will Barton decides that he wants to sign a contract somewhere else, this is how you pivot. This is how you find a starter who maybe they've been wronged in another situation. Maybe they are a little bit overqualified, but you're bringing them in as kind of a stopgap. Maybe you're just trying to fill in the gaps here or there. But I think that Denver can do it by committee as long as they add the right person. So I'm not sure who the right person is, but the one at the top of my list is Reggie Bullock. He is the best fit, in my opinion. Not an elite ball handler, but he does two things really well. He's six foot eight and is a great shooter. Somebody who stands pretty tall, runs around the perimeter, takes a lot of the energy away from a lot of the other playmakers on the team. And he takes a lot of the uh, attention. For the Knicks this past year, he was their only floor spacer. On a team that started Alfred Payton, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and Taj Gibson sometimes, Mitchell Robinson, uh, Nerlens Noel, like, Reggie Bullock was their starting three. And I think the Knicks are going to be going big game hunting this offseason. They might try to bring in DeMar DeRozan. They might try to bring in somebody else who's a pretty solid elite piece. Maybe they try to bring in Chris Paul. If they bring in Chris Paul, it's going to be hard to keep Reggie Bullock around. So, Denver could offer the full MLE. You'd offer about four years, $41 million. If you don't want that, then it's three years, $30 million for three years. Bullock would be a great fit. And he could absolutely start at shooting guard immediately. If you start Monte Morris, Reggie Bullock, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic. That's two elite shooters in in uh, Porter and Bullock that you have around a Morris-Jokic pick and roll. That's a great start. 
That's a really, really great start. It puts uh, Aaron Gordon back into a better spot, in my opinion. Takes a little bit of the pressure off of Michael Porter to be the floor spacer every night. If you have another guy who can do that, that's a big, big deal. So he's a guy that even if Murray came back and you decided uh, Bullock's better off the bench, you can put him on the bench. Or you could start Murray, Bullock, Porter, Gordon, and Jokic. Be really big, really athletic, and you feel pretty good. Now he this may be not in his price range, like he may want more money than that, but he'd be a great add for somebody like Denver. Just my opinion. Number two, Josh Hart. Elite rebounder, low usage guy for the Pelicans this year, good defender, potential as a shooter. He's a Villanova guy was with the Lakers initially, been with the Pelicans these past couple of years or past year and a half or so. They are they're trying to figure out how to proceed, how to become the best team that they can be. It doesn't seem like they're going to re-sign Lonzo Ball. And if that's the case, then maybe that means that, hey, we're committing to Josh Hart. We're trying to figure it out with him. But he hasn't really been a starter for them. And he would be a starter in Denver. Like, I think he would start a shooting guard immediately. Like, he's really, really good. So, he's like a perfect fifth option. Somebody who can do just about everything, but doesn't have to shoot a ton in order to be effective. So, keep an eye on him. He's a restricted free agent, so the Pelicans would still have the right to match. But, if that were the case, if they were like in that situation, maybe he gets lost in the shuffle and you save your MLE trying to figure things out, if they decide they signed Lonzo to a four-year, $70 million contract, and then they don't also want to sign Josh Hart, maybe you could get him for a good fee. Maybe it's that full MLE. Another guy who could potentially steal is Alex Caruso. High IQ playmaker. Plays for the Lakers, but don't let that stink fool you. He was one of their best players. And just a very fun guy to watch. Very clearly a high IQ option on the offensive and defensive end. Was a good screener, a good slasher. He would fit extremely well with Nikola Jokic. Doing all the things that Jokic would want to see him do. He'd be a screener. He'd cut back door. He'd run the DHOs. He would be very, very helpful. I could definitely see Alex Caruso being a guy that Denver would want in their rotation. Maybe he's not a starter. Maybe they continue starting P.J. Dozier. Like, Alex Caruso would be a great weapon to have. If you're looking to truly replace Will Barton, the best guy to probably do that is Alec Burks. Also played for the New York Knicks this past year, but was their sixth man. Scored about 12 points, four rebounds, two assists. Basically, very similar numbers to what Will Barton contributed this past year. He is the Barton replacement. He's somebody who, he might be more of a six-man type than Barton is because Barton can operate without the ball in his hands a little bit more. But Burks was a really good shooter, was a really good floor spacer, decent rebounder. He would be a good option and I think would be cheap enough that they could do it. Another guy like that, Tony Snell. Maybe not more of a scorer, but he's definitely an elite shooter, decent rebounder, or decent defender, excuse me. But Tony Snell really doesn't do that much else. 
So it would be a gamble. It would definitely be a gamble to bring somebody like that in. Uh, teams have paid the Piper for trying to pay Tony Snell and do have him do stuff. But if Denver has a lot of other guys that are doing things, whether it's Jokic kind of doing everything, Porter kind of grabbing boards, Morris and Faku being an assister, really, sometimes they just need specialty role players. And Tony Snell is a very specialty role player. But if he gets an open three, he shot 57% for three this past year. It's really, really good. So keep that in mind. And one more before we hit a break. Um, actually, I'll share some thoughts on some uh, some other guys. Kelly Oubre. I'm not sure what he's going to do and what Golden State's going to do with him. But apparently he wants a big contract. He wants a, a significant sum of money. Despite the fact that his value tanked a little bit, wasn't as important to their rotation. But he is still a long athletic scoring wing who might have potential to do something like that in Denver. Maybe he's doing it as more of a two that rotates down to a three. You never know. But Denver's a very unique spot where he wouldn't be asked to do a ton because Denver has so many other guys that can help him out. Like, I can very much imagine a lineup that features Monte Morris, Kelly Oubre, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic. Where Jokic is the main playmaker, Morris is the main facilitator, Porter is the main other scorer, and then Gordon and Oubre are just athletically filling in the gaps. They're cutting, they're screening for each other, they're screening for other guys, they're trying to fill in the gaps around. Maybe they try and get out and transition a little bit more. There's something to be said for that. And Kelly Oubre's value is probably at its lowest. It's been in a little bit. So I would consider it. I would think about it long and hard. He's a guy that it's 6'7", as athletic as he is. He is going to commit. He wants to be the best player that he can be on both ends of the floor. And if Denver got him for like the full MLE, I'd feel like that would be a steal. I feel like he would give them a lot more versatility. Somebody who could switch up and down the lineup a little bit. Who could maybe guard other ball handlers. Kind of harass some guys a little bit more with his length, with his athleticism, with just being a pest. He could do that. Give Denver a different dimension. Other restricted free agents I'd monitor. Lonzo Ball. The aforementioned Lonzo Ball. Josh Hart is a restricted free agent. Bruce Brown of the Brooklyn Nets. Doubt that he's going anywhere, but still. Gary Trent Jr. with the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Not the, he was with the Portland Trailblazers, but then he was traded to Toronto. Doubt that he's going anywhere, but you never know. Talon Horton Tucker uh, from the Lakers. I think he just turned 21, if I'm not mistaken. He's six foot four. It's like a seven-foot wingspan, strong, physical, athletic driver, somebody who, if the Lakers don't re-sign him, if they decide to try to go get a third star, Talon Horton Tucker somebody that I would try to give some money because he would be like a great fit in Denver's lineup next to Murray, Porter, Gordon, guys like that be a pest on the defensive end, wouldn't be asked to do a ton on the offensive end, 
who can just fill in gaps, be a rebounder, be a cutter, be a playmaker. He could do that. And then Frank Nielakina. I'll have a soft spot for him for a while, uh, just because like he seems like a, a very complimentary piece to what Denver would want. But I think they've got a guy like him and PJ Dozier. And PJ is definitely better. Like, definitely. 100%. So, we'll see. My preference is to focus on the wings, to add versatility around Murray and Jokic. That's why I'm intrigued with guys like Kelly Oubre. That's why Reggie Bullock, I think, is the best fit of the bunch. But guys like Josh Hart, Alex Caruso, even like Taylor Horton Tucker, I'd be very intrigued by. Alec Burks is a stopgap. He's somebody who would be interesting. But keep an eye on those guys if Barton were to go. If Barton were to stay, maybe they bring back Austin Rivers. Maybe they go cheaper with like Kent Bazemore, Garrett Temple, somebody like that. It's my opinion. Let's take a final break. When we come back, we are going to go over the top forwards and bigs. We'll be right back. back pickaxe and roll final segment here thank you so much for tuning in this is going to be a podcast i think that's going to have a little bit of a shelf life for a few weeks so if you ever feel like revisiting this one uh put in the bookmarks whatever you want to do uh this is something that i'll be retweeting trying to make sure that people go back to because i think this is going to be my most valuable information with the salary cap info at the beginning and the variety of names that i think denver could try to afford or at least, like, talk to some of these players. See if they'd be willing to take a haircut. Because I think they're at that stage where Nikola Jokic is here. And you don't want guys to, like, go out of their way. But if somebody was looking for $12 million on the open market, and they couldn't find it, and then Denver could offer them the full MLE, and say, okay, hey, take 9.5, we're going to pay you for three to four years and you get to play with Nikola Jokic. People might be interested in that. So let's talk about the forwards. Let's talk about the bigs. Uh, Just to reiterate the forwards on Denver's roster right now, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Bull Bull, Vlako Chanchar, the bigs, Nikola Jokic, Zeke Naji. Jamichael Green is the guy that we're thinking about here. Like if Green were to come back, then there are several players that I think Denver could consider splitting the MLE. Not with Green. But what I'm really talking about here is adding one of these forwards or bigs and then adding one of the guards and then just trying to fill out the rotation in that respect, which I think Denver could do, and they'd be okay doing it. But let's talk about who. If you're trying to maintain the status quo, Paul Millsap is a good addition. He would come back, play 15 minutes a night, be pretty solid. This is with Jermichael Green also coming back, with Zeke Naji also in the fold. Paul Millsap might not play every night. Might not play any night. But he'd be a great veteran to have back. So, I think that Denver can do better. I think that they probably should try to vary their lineups up a little bit more. Maybe they get a better five. Maybe they get somebody who's more of a three. Uh, somebody like that. 
But we'll see. We'll see what they do. Another status quo guy, JaVale McGee. He was more likely to play consistently, I think, because if they brought back Jamichael Green, I think you have a, a very fair assessment to make that a Jamichael Green, JaVale McGee front court would be pretty good for the regular season. If you're the Nuggets, if you're trying to figure out how best to rest Nikola Jokic, adding a full-time backup center like JaVale McGee and just committing to play him 14 to 15 minutes a night keeps Nikola Jokic at 33-34 because they're not going to overlap. So he'd be a good guy to add. Another guy who's pretty solid on the defensive end, but more of a small ball option, James Johnson. Been around the block. I think he last finished up with Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just confirm that real quick. Um, No, he was with New Orleans and started some games for them, actually. Uh, Not super effective, uh, but he did average like over 22 games, 9 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and close to a steal and a block. So there's something to be said for a guy like him. 33 years old, will be in his age 34 season next year. Um, He is somebody that I would consider uh, just because he's got a lot of variability. He's played on several teams, uh, got a lot of experience, and is tough. Another guy, Nemanja Bielica. Serbian, floor spacing big, decent positional defender. You could realistically add somebody like him, play him next to Nikola Jokic at times. Say Aaron Gordon's out. I think you could justify even starting Bielitsa next to Jokic and be fine. Those guys would have some pretty interesting chemistry. It'd be fun to watch. Maybe not good for the playoffs, but is somebody that I think you could reasonably play in a playoff series at the five. Maybe not at the four, maybe not next to Jokic, but if you had him at the five, that's interesting. And then he's a great Serbian to have on the team. Jokic would be happy. Number five, Stanley Johnson, flyer, an athletic big, backup forward. If you need bodies, like in case Michael Porter or Aaron Gordon go down, he's a guy that you could add in there and say, hey, Jokic, Monte, run, pick, and roll. And then if Stanley's open, just pass it to him. If not, have him cut, have him rebound, things like that. Same thing with a guy like Mo Harkless, though he is a better shooter. Than Stanley Johnson, a more stable contributor in my in my opinion. Mo Harkless was in Miami this past year, but I don't think he really got a fair shake. They were really struggling with offense, so they went pretty small. They went with guys that weren't necessarily about positional defense like he was. And he wasn't a dynamic offensive player, so they didn't go with them. But they probably could have, and they probably should have at times. So I would consider him for sure. James Ennis is also very similar. He's got a solid all-around game. And uh, he's got some lineup versatility, too. Could guard twos, could guard threes, could guard fours. Shot the ball well this past year for Orlando. Going to be a low-usage option like most of these guys are, but he's got some good versatility. I'd like him. Patrick Patterson of the LA Clippers. More of a big then he is a, a real true 3-4 right now. Uh, mostly played the power forward spot, but gotten a little bit older, got a little bit slower, less effective. But hey, they already brought in Jermichael Green. Maybe they decide to bring in another former Los Angeles Clippers forward. We'll see. 
Tory Craig. Familiarity right there. Somebody who I think Nuggets fans will appreciate seeing back. Now that you have Michael Porter, now that you have Aaron Gordon, there's a justification to bringing in a guy like Tory because solid defender, very tough, good rebounder, good cutter, familiar with Denver system, not a shooter. But Denver may not necessarily need him for his shooting. Like if they've got Porter and they're consistently going to go to him, they have Murray, if they have Jokic, you may not need shooting all the time. So he might not be a perfect opportunity, but like maybe there's something to be there. Like, can you reconcile with a guy like that and say, hey, we're sorry that we went with Bull Bull over you. It was dumb. Probably could say something like that. And it was dumb. But, and like it didn't work out. I think the, the gamble was reasonable, but it just didn't work. So maybe if they decided to let go of Bull, maybe if they traded him for a second round pick or something like that, you had Tory Craig back, Craig back, feel pretty good about where you were. I get into the backup five options. Ken Birch, Canadian, cheap backup five, good passer. Somebody who's like a good roller. Maybe you could even play next to Jokic in some lineups. Like if you're still worried about the Lakers, which probably should be. You could have Ken Birch at the four, Aaron Gordon at the three, Michael Porter at the two, Jamal Murray at the one. Be tough offensively, but really good defensively. So... We'll see. Nerland's Noel, good backup five, somebody who would probably take more money, uh, good roller, good rim protector. Not necessarily a guy that plays next to Jokic, but keeps him relatively healthy. Robin Lopez, same thing, backup five, elite roller, smart defender, good rebounder, somebody who maybe he's happy in Washington, maybe he's happy where he's at, or a Some other team might be more interested in him, but I think Denver really found out that Jokic got pretty tired during the regular season because they didn't have a good steady backup five option for him. So maybe that's something that Denver should prioritize. I don't know. Next one, Boban Marjanovic. Serbian would be very fun. Would always be interesting to have Boban as a situational five. Maybe don't play him every night. Maybe this is a good option because it wouldn't surprise me, per se. Denver, if they sign Boban, if they have Zeke Naji, if they have Jamichael Green, could play two of those three guys together and feel pretty good about your backup results. Zeke Naji, Jamichael Green, more mobility. Go even smaller and play one of those guys. Pretty interesting. Go bigger, play Boban, play Zeke next to him, feel pretty good. You want to go really big? Play Jamichael Green at the four, Zeke at the three? Something to be said for that too. So, Boban would be fun. I'd love to add him. Don't think that Denver's going to have the money. They might not want to invest in that manner, but he would be fun. He would be interesting. And Daniel Tice. Ended the season with Chicago. Not sure if he wants to be there or not, but good mobile backup five. Good with switching. A good passing big. High IQ type. He'd be interesting to have. Now, the interesting part is here. I don't think I would focus on these guys if I were to use the full MLE. Like, I think I would focus on 
Like if I had to use the full MLE, then I would use it on a wing. But let's say Barton were to opt in to his player option. And let's say Denver, okay, they're going to have Morris, Barton, Dozier, Compazzo. You've got Murray when he comes back. Maybe you draft somebody that's a guard. I feel pretty good about that. Uh, Jamichael Green opts out. Don't necessarily know what's going to happen there. You decide, okay, if you're going to opt out, that's fine. We've got Zeke Nagy. What if we add Nicholas Batum? Smart, versatile wing. More of a 3-4. High IQ, high basketball IQ type. Shot 40% from three. Can do it all on the offensive end. Other than be like a full-time scorer. But he was a guy with the Clippers this year who really helped them get past some of the small ball units. And he's a smart player. Somebody who I think would pair with Jokic well. Somebody who would pair with Denver's entire offense well. Help them become better. So, would be an interesting piece. Maybe you have him come off the bench, but he'd be your sixth man. He would be very, very good. Could play a lot of different lineups that have him, Compazzo, PJ Dozier. Maybe you bring Michael Porter in for backup four. And then you have Zeke Nagy as a five, and you just switch everything as much as you can. That'll be fun. What about Kelly Olenek? High IQ big, elite perimeter shooter, somebody who showed some playmaking and fulcrum skills when he was with the the Houston Rockets, served as their starting point guard in a lot of situations and I thought did pretty well. Anybody who can handle that as a big man has a potential opportunity to be a playoff caliber player. Might not be perfect all the time, but if he's somebody that you could run offense through, when Jokic was off the bench, or when he was sitting on the bench. That's interesting to me. That is something that Denver should consider. What about Otto Porter? Long been a a fan of his game. Somebody who is a solid scorer, solid defender, 6'8", physical, could do a lot of things against some of the best players in the NBA. Maybe not as good of a defender now, but if you had... Porter, Porter, and Gordon, that's a pretty solid forward rotation to the point where you feel like whenever you have, like if you play all three or two of those three guys at the same time and do that for as much time as possible, you're feeling pretty good about your team. You're feeling pretty good about where the team stands. I think it gives Michael Porter a little bit of leeway. A little bit of flexibility that if he doesn't have a good night, then Otto Porter could be the guy that comes in and saves him a little bit. It's all right. Another guy, very different, but would be in the forward rotation, big man rotation, PJ Tucker. Maybe he wants to go back to the Bucks, whether they can afford it or not. Uh, elite worker, versatile defender, Going to be a non-factor offensively, but Denver's like they're they're such a unique offense that they might be able to make it work. Great vet, somebody who'd be doing the dirty work. He spent time guarding Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, and Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. Like he didn't guard Joel Embiid in the playoffs, but he would have guarded him in the playoffs had those two teams met. I think that's a big deal. Somebody who's willing to do that even at age 36. So, be a little bit dangerous to have him. Maybe you bring him in, somebody who 
doesn't play as much during the regular season, but kicks it up a gear in the playoffs like an Iguodala type. I'd be interested in that. He would add something to Denver. A little bit more switchability. Doug McDermott, more of a score, more of a bench scoring option for sure. A floor spacer, playmaker, decent versatility type guy on the offensive end. Not so much a defensive guy. He's better than his reputation says uh, on the defensive end, but he's a guy that like if if Green were to go and you decide, hey, we're going to make Zeke Naji the center and we're going to go all offense, you go with Doug McDermott, bring him in, and then you have Zeke Naji there and you just switch everything. You feel fine with it. Not great, but you can make it work. And then if you're feeling like if you're feeling like you need the center to be really good, somebody who you can you can know that you can survive without Nikola Jokic because you have this player, Cody Zeller and Rashawn Holmes, are two guys I would consider. Not sure I would want to allocate my money there. It's kind of like paying Monte Morris when you have Jamal Murray, though it has certainly worked out for Denver given Murray's injury. But if you have Cody Zeller and you pay him a significant sum, you'd feel pretty good about, even if Jokic was out with foul trouble, even if he was not at his best, you feel pretty good about the results behind him. Maybe it helps keep his minutes down too. And then Rashawn Holmes. He would be able to play next to Jokic a little bit, and it would be floater city. And Jokic would run some pick and roll with him, dump it down to Rashawn Holmes, and he would uh, he would float it up and over the defense. It'd be great. Um... I'd be interested in him because I think that you could really use him as a backup five, but also like a six-man type, somebody who comes in for Michael Porter or Aaron Gordon initially. You feel pretty good about the rotation in that respect. But yeah, there aren't as many options, I think, that I would really want of that group. I think I'd prefer a wing. I think I'd prefer to add to that weakness in Denver's roster right now. But there are good players out there, potentially even some good players that might want Denver, that might think that they'd be really good for them. Some restricted free agents to monitor. Jared Vanderbilt, uh, doubt that he would come back, but if he did, it would be a pretty interesting fit. Nicolo Melli, uh, kind of a backup five type, floor spacing five. Um, he'd be cheap. Somebody who, like I think if you got him to shoot 40% from three for a year, You'd feel pretty good. DJ Wilson, a little bit more of a switching type. Somebody who is on Houston. Not a great player right now, but somebody who might still turn into one. Isak Bonga, uh, who plays for Washington. He was in and out of the rotation. Sometimes was a starter. Didn't ever really like latch on this year. But he's a guy that still has potential as well. Very young. And then Jawan Morgan of the Utah Jazz. He's a restricted free agent for them. Uh, they're in cap hell. And while they would probably want Jawan Morgan back, it wouldn't surprise me if something slipped through the cracks. So if it was Jawan Morgan, he gave me some good Paul Millsap vibes uh, while he was there. Denver Nuggets fans got to see him firsthand when he was in the playoff bubble, uh, giving Denver buckets in both corners, um, when he was playing offense there in the playoffs. So I would consider somebody like him 
good athletic forward, somebody who could maybe even sled to uh, small ball five at times. But you never know. You never know what you see. But yeah, folks, that's pretty much it. That's all I have for this particular episode. I will just say that, kind of in conclusion here, Will Barton and Jamichael Green are good players. And if Denver loses them, it will be a pretty difficult thing in some aspects. Denver can figure it out. And they can survive it if they play their cards right, if they do things well. However, they're going to need some luck on their side. And if, uh, let's just say, both of them opt out and decided that they didn't want to come back, that'd be pretty tough. I think that Denver, best case scenario for them, is that both of them were to opt in and take lesser contracts. Maybe like $12 million for Barton that they do over three years and then $6 million for Green that they do over two years or something like that. And then you have the full MLE, which you could then use to add to your rotation in addition. That would be the best possible scenario. However, knowing this business and understanding where Denver is at, uh, good things like that don't generally happen to Denver. Uh, and you also want those guys, Will Barton, Jamichael Green, to know their worth and know their value and, and do things right by themselves too. So, however this plays out, I'll be really interested in monitoring it. I'll be really interested in seeing what Denver can do with limited resources. They don't have as many draft picks. They don't have as much cap space going forward. So how are they going to continue to make the team better? This is where Tim Connolly can win awards. This is where the rest of the basketball side, the front office side, can, if they do their homework, if they fill in the gaps well, when Jamal Murray comes back, they could be a championship contender again. But it's going to be tough. It's not just cut and dry that once Jamal comes back, you're a contender. It's going to take a little bit to recapture that same magic. It's going to feel weird. So Denver's got to find players that can help them ease that transition, help set them up, that they're in a good spot when they're facing the Clippers or the Suns or the Lakers or the Jazz in a playoff series. They better be ready. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Really appreciate all the love and support over the course of these past few weeks. Uh, we're going to have more free agency content up at Denver Stiffs. We do draft content every single day. Uh, on Wednesday, I'm also going to be posting a profile of... Uh, actually, I don't remember who I'm posting it on. We'll be writing this pretty late. Uh, Joel Ayayi. Uh, I'm going to move him up from Thursday. I'm going to post on uh, Joel uh, from Gonzaga. Combo guard. Should be fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys very soon.